What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. Today, we have a special guest. We got Coach Mike Fustikos. Hope I'm saying that right. On with us today. And of course, as always, my co-host Ronan. And today, we're going to talk some fun stuff. We're going to talk some drafts. We're going to talk some player development and uh, maybe get some inside scoops like that. But first of all, welcome, Coach Mike. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, mean, I want to get to know you a little bit, Mike. Um, where did uh, your journey with basketball start? Like, where did where did you first start getting passionate about sport of basketball? Uh, I know you're an absolute fiend now, but where did it all begin? I think it probably started for like most of us, right? Like in the driveway at like <laughs> seven or eight years old, uh, or in the park with friends. So we, uh, it was funny. So when I was younger, we used to play. Obviously, like I was the tallest kid, so I played a bunch of basketball. I was just kind of like pushed in that direction, and then. Um, when I moved, when I was in elementary school, immediately, like my best friend, his dad was the high school coach in our town. Um, and like growing up, I grew up in Maine and it's almost like Indiana. It's like Indiana, <laughs> like, like minor league Indiana in terms of like high school basketball. Like you would think hockey, but like the, the gyms get packed for basketball. So having him as my connection was just like, oh my God, this is like the coolest thing. And like, we would go around with his dad and like everybody in town would know him. And like every, like we would go into Portland and people would know him. So it was really cool. Um, and so I just was hooked because I wanted to impress him and he was my friend's dad. And then I grew and uh, it's uh, another kind of funny story. I was adopted and my, my uh, adopted parents are five, four and five, nine. So when he met How me, did that work? <laughs> right, right. When he met me, he was like, oh, damn, like this kid's not going to be too tall. This kind of, this kind of stinks. Like Brian needs to get new friends or whatever. And then he found out I was adopted and it was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> parents are six, six. This is great. So uh, just, yeah, I played a lot of basketball growing up, um, high school, AU played a lot. Played a little bit in college too. Uh, eventually the dream had to die, but um, got into coaching right when I uh, got into teaching and kind of worked my way up through that. So the middle school level, JV level, and now uh, for the last five years, I've been the varsity head coach at the town I work in and uh, I'm just loving every second of it. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's awesome. I, everyone uh, starts out that way. And uh, you said the dream, the dream doesn't die, right? The dream just changes a little bit. Yeah. It becomes more, a, little, a little more realistic. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it comes into focus a little bit more. Like, yeah, probably maybe Europe isn't my best, or maybe not the NBA, then maybe not Europe. Okay, maybe it's on a bench, but that's all right. You know, still loving, able to stay involved that way. So I'm um, just happy to, you know, stay involved with it. It's it's a passion of mine. Yeah. Well, I know you're, you're definitely a, a fiend for um, basketball tape. I think you told me how many hours a week you, you watch uh, you watch tape. What would you say? I know you guys watch a ton too. I, I, I've listened to a couple of podcasts and the amount of games you guys consume is crazy. I wish I had the time to consume NBA and college uh, games as much as you do, but during the season. Um, so during the season, we practice pretty late at night. Well, my school day goes until about two. Some days I'll watch film in school, but then uh, afterwards, about two or three. <laughs> that's when you. That's when you roll in the VCR. Everyone watch a watch a movie, and uh, yeah. I'm gonna be watching game tape for the rest. Of the time. <laughs> yeah, they get like a web quest. At that point, I'm essentially like a, a glorified sub uh, <laughs> season. And then yeah, so it's it'll be about two or three hours of tape um, per day if it's. 
Um, two days before a game is typically like the heavy one because that's when we get the scouting report ready and then um, have all everything ready to hand out to the guys when we go over it that night in practice or, or the next day. So when we're game planning. So, yeah, I'd say during the week, it's probably averaging close to, you know, between 15 and 20 hours, somewhere in there. Yeah, yes, that's great. I, I promise I you. I promise you that we are not watching that much tape every week. We try our best. <laughs> Massachusetts high school basketball, right? That's not like, I'm not watching like elite level stuff all the time, but um, yeah. Still. Shows the but, look of the game though, right? That shows the look absolutely. Game. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually important though. Cause like, you know, you have the perspective of somebody who's looking for a lot of like fundamentals and that's like the basis for a lot of things that you're looking at, even when it comes to like elite level, college level and, it's funny, like, and I think that's something that we talk about with some of these prospects we'll eventually get into, where, you know, are, are their fundamentals missing? Are there huge gaps in, in their game? And it all it all starts from that sort of space. But, um, no, yeah, I, I know that uh, you had had the opportunity to, I mean, translate all this work that you put into working with tape, working as a coach, to, I think now you're, you're doing some, some training now at the, uh, the NBA and scouting level. And how, how's that been going so far? Yeah, yeah, uh, breaking into it a little bit. Um, so have been able, super lucky to be able to work a couple of different clinics in like Connecticut and in Puerto Rico. And this summer I'll um, get to assist and like help out um, and, and watch some guys, some NBA guys train. I'm not exactly sure who it's going to be, but th that um, some point I'll get to go watch a few guys and, and potentially guard them for like four or five hours, <laughs> which will be incredibly taxing on the body or, uh, maybe get, get a chance to rebound. It's uh, it's awesome. Like you said, it's all about the fundamentals. Um, I, I know we said we'd touch base on this later, but like it be just the littlest like nuance. Um, the average fan can't, it, it's so hard to understand. Um, and, and even me, like I, I've, you know, been super invested in basketball, played at, you know, a decently high level, but then you get these guys who are in the NBA, the guys who train with the guys who are in the NBA and the, the specificity of what they're looking for every single rep. Um, it, it's unbelievable. And, and the best are the best because they do that. And so it's yeah. been, uh, yeah, it's been cool. Um, on that note, like, cause I think a lot of people, I don't know if you're, are you on Twitter? Are you on Twitter? Yeah. Do you follow yeah, me? Okay. Yeah. So like, I think there's so many, there's so many NBA fan takes, there's, especially when it comes around draft time, uh, whether it's saying, oh, this guy sucks or, oh, this guy's going to be the best in the world. Like, what do you think? Like, if you can think of something, what, what's one of the biggest things that the average fan probably gets wrong when they watch just like the highlights of some guy or maybe they're misunderstanding <laughs> people's games everything right <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, that's, just that. us. that's just me and chris we get everything wrong i don't know what i mean, <laughs> I mean like we live in such a such a um reactive society right that it's it's and, and you know we live and die with our teams i see like the knicks jersey like like how did you feel about the draft Ronan. i wanted to die <laughs> <laughs> right right but then you then you we also think about okay from the front office level like they had a terrible offseason the year before right they had to unload the contract so you start to put more stuff into context um and now they get out from under kemba's contract maybe they can do something this year maybe they're just trying to move a bunch of money for jalen brunson yeah it, it's it, we don't always like know what teams are doing or what guys are doing um and so, like, watching the fan reactions as they always happen are so 
it's so because I'm not just saying I know everything at all. I know enough to be like, okay, let's, I guys take a step back and be like, is this a good take? Is this a bad? And we live in a world of bad takes. So it's funny. <laughs> it's so true. Are you, yeah. Ronan, that's, that's your fault for me. So, so if you haven't noticed already, Ronan is a, uh, a Knicks fan. So, uh, uh, yeah, I brought it upon yourself. I know he is already, but I, I yeah. <laughs> Knicks have become a bit of a taboo on this podcast. We try to avoid it when we can. But I, Ronan, that was not your reaction when I texted you. You towed the company line so hard. You were like, oh, we got for three first round picks. We're fine. It's okay. Like, meanwhile, you're just crying in the corner. <laughs> I didn't say we were okay. What I said was, that's what we did. And on paper, it looks like a smart thing to do. But we'll mess, we'll mess up having <laughs> done that as well. So it'll just take a few more months. But then I'll be depressed about that later. What oh, my protections? God. What were the protections on the picks again? They're bad. I I have to look at the specifics of them, but all of them are protected. They're not OKC picks. They're other teams' picks. And oh, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can get in the specifics of it. I mean, they're, they're kicking it down the road, and I definitely didn't want to make this a, a Knicks uh, podcast today. But um, I think the whole funny part of it too is like I actually I was happy for you. I was cheering, so I was like Usman Jiang. Like I thought he was such an awesome like swing prospect, and then. You trade him away. And of course, the Knicks fan reaction either way was booze. Like, no matter who you pick, I, I can't remember the last guy you guys picked it. You didn't boo. <laughs> yeah, been a while. <laughs> but even, um, like, even like Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey, right? Like, yeah. Everybody is saying immediately when that's happening. And I've, you know, listened to a few podcasts and I was on Twitter and, and people like, oh my God, what are they doing? What are they doing? And then you realize Jaden Ivey never wanted to go there. He didn't sit down and do an interview, didn't send his medicals, uh, didn't work out for them at all. And so if you're the owner of the Kings and you're trying to, you know, get a little bit more buy-in and see who wants to be there, although I don't blame, I don't necessarily blame Ivy for not wanting to go there, but it's like, you know, everybody reacts, oh my God, Keegan Murray, well, Keegan Murray's a pretty good player. Maybe he'll be okay when he paired with uh, De'Aaron Fox there. See, that's, that, this is the interesting thing. And it's exactly what you just said there. He's going to be okay there he's a good player and i think in the draft like there's there's a middle ground between people who are very smart basketball people and people who are crazy like twitter nba people because the twitter nba people want an absolute star no matter what if you're in the lottery in the the smart basketball people really smart basketball people are like hey like look at this guy he's going to be a good player because you don't over accentuate everything but in reality you're in the lottery like why the hell do you want a good player? Like you need to, to hit on a star in this situation. And that, I think that's, that's where it is. Um, but yeah, it's good. Let's, let's jump right into it in, in that, in that regard. Cause uh, I think that that was probably one of the most interesting things. There is a reaction to that exact um, trade-off there is was the Kings going to take Jaden Ivey ended up onto the Pistons, which I think is one of the craziest picks of this draft. But I think you look at a guy like Keegan Murray as a guy who knows basketball, you see him as a really really solid player but i feel like that led to the pistons getting the steal of the draft like they absolutely stole on, on Jaden ivy like i don't know I, I feel like you take the best player available in that situation if you're the kings and you just you figure it out i mean they want to make the playoffs but screw it so i, I don't did you if you look they're forward like to, 10 years from now to pick another guard i mean they just traded away halliburton for sure but I, I guess when you when you look at these picks and you look 10 years from now and you boil it down to, okay, which was the better player, I think we're probably going to look back and see that as a pretty terrible pick. So what, are you doing like the most likely to succeed superlative? 
Um, <laughs> like we haven't gotten to superlatives here, but I guess who was who was the steal of the draft? And I think in this situation, uh, I'm saying Jaden Ivy, and I think they got the Kings got stolen from. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Jaden Ivy was a great steal um, to get him at. I think if you asked the Pistons uh, a week ago, do you think Jaden Ivy is going to be there? They would have said they would have laughed. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people had him maybe even going in the top three. So, um, yeah, I, I would say the same uh, for them. I think uh, what Indiana did, Indianapolis did with uh, Mathurian at six, I liked that a lot. Um, and I think they're going to be a – they might – I heard – who was it? Somebody say they might be a league pass team. Like, you might get league pass just to make sure you keep an eye on the Pacers because they might be a decent team to watch. That would be interesting. I, I, I'm not sure what they're doing there yet. I mean, they, they have a lot of, a lot of moves that probably going to be made in free agency and maybe Brogdon's gone, maybe Turner's gone, but Halliburton and Mathura, that'll be interesting. Um, I guess I, I want to go back real quick to, to Ivy and Murray. Like when you look at these two guys and their base skill set and the potential that they've shown, like how, like what is the chasm between those two players like five years from now? For you, what, what do you think as, as a, and then we're going to have you, I think you're, you're the good uh, pH test for whether or not people are overreacting on like, maybe Keegan Murray is going to be a really good player. And so Ivy, and maybe it's just a difference. Like you got a top 50 guy versus a top 40, 30 guy. And maybe everyone's happy. Yeah. I, you know, there, again, like we said, there's so many other things in context to, to think about, too. Like, do the Kings do this because they're worried about Fox eventually wanting to leave and, and to get him another big to play with, uh, you know, versus another ball dominant guard? Um, or is it that they want somebody to pair with Sabonis so that they're able to control the boards and and be able to do that? I guess the the thing would be is – you know, when you're looking at the difference between the two of them and how we're going to be able to evaluate them a few years from now, that's, oh man, that's, that's such a good question. That's going to be so hard because the Pistons, I think, are on the up and up. All right. And Jaden Ivey's, uh, uh, I think either one of them would have been great to plug in and, and to continue to help them build and, and to go. And the Kings, it's just like, what are you doing here? It seems like it's been that way for quite some time. Yes. So it's tough to be like, okay, is it going to be, you know, which gets their team closer to, to playoff contention? Because so much of that is out of their control. I, I guess if, at least if you're Murray, at least so much of it's out of his control. Maybe it's all-star games. Maybe, it, maybe it's, I don't know. Yeah. So I think both guys have been drafted to places where they will have ample opportunity to grow in a role that they should be good at for sure. Um, I just think that when we look back on it, Keegan Murray will be a, a pretty, he'll be a great replacement for Harrison Barnes and Jaden Ivey will be the second star to a Pistons team that should be a perennial contender in five to 10 years over the next eight years. The way you look at it now, it's like the pick right now, you're saying Keegan Murray was the right pick for Sacramento because there's a better chance that he can come right in and have a positive impact. And they are desperate obviously to make, make the playoffs. The that's not the playoffs. That's the yeah. Plan. Okay, whatever. Well, they probably <laughs> might make that, but they're desperate to make the playoffs. Maybe. But um, and then like, and Ivy might take a couple more years to really develop. Then we look at it maybe five years, and we're looking back and thinking, oh my god, I can't believe they didn't take Ivy. But at this very moment, the situation Sacramento was in, Keegan Murray probably was probably was the right pick for them ultimately. 
So that you all right. So you 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 co-signed that. You co-signed that was that was the right pick for me. All right. So for the for the goal at hand, and this is where, where I mean, Mike, you're talking context. Like they have a mandate to make the playoffs. So who's gonna help them make the playoffs first? Obviously, the answer is King Murray. But without that mandate, if you're just thinking as a GM, you're just thinking forward thinking, it's it's crazy. But I guess uh, I, I do want to get through some of these superlatives. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think, yeah, like you said, the, the ceiling is higher on Ivy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with Murray, you've seen this massive growth where he was coming off the, I think he was coming off the bench last year, the year before. Um, and now, you know, he had an amazing big 10 year. Um, but it wasn't as though Ivy was a slouch. And, and I believe Ivy is coming out, you know, right away. So like as you said, I think Ivy has the higher ceiling, but yeah, Murray, I, I agree. It's a good pick. It's a, it's a good pick. It's a good fit. Yeah. Um, on that note, just talking about pure talent. Um, let's go through some superlatives here. This is a fun way to look at it. I want to know who you think out of this draft right now, who's going to be the most likely to win rookie of the year this year? Ronan, you go first. Most likely, um. I, I want to say Paolo Bancaro, but uh, I guess it depends what sort of role he wants to play when he gets in there. I think, does he want to just instantly become the, the lead guy, take over that team, say, this is my team, we're going to run it through me? If he does that and has some success with it, I think uh, a lot of people were already tipping him even before uh, even before he had been drafted. So I think he's probably still the lead guy, just depending on how it works out in a Orlando team that have a lot of young guys and probably aren't, Hundred percent sure how they want to run it just yet. I like. What do you think, What do you think? I think just based on opportunity alone, I think Chet may have the best chance to do it. Really, he's going to play major minutes no matter what happens. I think. I think the defensive um, ability is is you can see that it's there. Yeah, the frame everybody's got to be. You have to be concerned with, but when you look at was it almost four and a half blocks a game. Um, and he was typically guarding some of the best players. And he was able to switch one through five. I think he's he's not going to be taken off the court because of his defense. And his offensive game, I mean, obviously, if you're seven foot, it's going to need work no matter what. Um, playing against better and quicker defenders in the NBA. But I don't see a scenario at all, especially in Oklahoma City, where they're not in a playoff mandate for the next 50 years, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> where he gets taken off the court. Um, yeah. I think I think he's just going to have so much opportunity to do it um, without, you know, without minutes restrictions, without people around him wanting the ball. I mean, if you Chet Holmgren, you know, you're, you're saying, I'm Chet Holmgren, give me the ball. I think, I think he'll be – he has the chance to do it, I think, the best out of anybody. Whether or not he will, it's going to be completely up to him. Yeah. No, I, I like. See, I thought about Chet, and I and I thought the first thing that you thought too was the the defense. Like that defense, like will jump off the page. And how far did Evan Mobley's defense this year take him in terms of that award? Took him pretty far. It did. Um, in the scoring, too, the winner. <laughs> yeah, and it, but I think I think Scotty though, like Scotty's ability to to score and play make. I mean, being I mean at times like he's running point. And at his size, like that was something that definitely won in points there. Um, I wonder how much, when I thought about it, I wonder how much Chet's actually going to have the ball, especially when you have, um, when you have the guards they have there, you have Shea, when you have Giddy, those guys are going to be, you know, playing off of each other, mostly handling the ball. I think Chet's going to be 
a great release valve off the off the elbow and i i think he'll have a great season but i actually i have a dark horse for here because i i wanted to say van caro but i knew someone was going to say van caro so that's just the easy answer like if van caro buys in ronan like absolutely like if i think he has the talent ceiling to just pop off and be like a borderline like all-star kind of guy like i think he's that good i do i think it's probable yeah banker i i think like how good Lamelo ball was in his uh first year how good um anthony edwards at the end of his rookie year i think that's the kind of talent level you get with bancaro but again remains to be seen but i think actually when you're looking at dark horse i want to say i want to say Mathurin. do you talk about opportunity if they're trading uh off their team if they're just going straight into a, um, a youth development, it's it's fascinating for me because he's one of those guys in the draft that was like ranked a little bit lower. And as you watch his tape, like you can't really figure out why. Like I, I really couldn't poke a ton of holes in his game. And especially for a guy who's as athletic, explosive, and such a good shooter. Like there's a, like, where does he fail? Mike, you tell me that. Like, where, where does this guy fail as a player? Cause like, I know, I know you liked him. Like, I couldn't think of any particular reasons where his game doesn't translate to that level. No, it does. And I mean, it's a wings league now. Right. And so, and you, you love the frame at six, six, he's got those arms that are long as hell. Uh, I, I think I love his confidence. I don't know if you guys saw his. <laughs> I hate I, uh, that's all right. I got a comment on that. What, what did he say? Uh, LeBron's got to prove it to me that he's better than me. Yeah. They're just saying they're just saying stuff now. They're just saying stuff now. Chet Holmgren says, "Oh, I'm the, I'm going to be the best player in the league in seven days." How many? Um, yeah. How, how many times do you think his PR people like were pumping that into him, just being like, "You, you got to come out and say you're the best. You have you have to just come out and just say you're the best." Yeah. And then he just overshoots it by so much. By a lot. By a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe yeah. I mean, if that's legit, like confident, like look at Anthony Edwards. I, I buy I buy confidence when you're that good, but I think there's such a small percentage of people who can be that confident and still be a good culture guy and Absolutely. be a good worker and be smart about how they develop their game. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be great. I think you know the biggest thing, the biggest knock on him, uh, you know, last year was his streakiness. He can go out and get you twenty real quick, but he can go also go out and miss half his shots from the field and even more. And it can take him a lot of shots to get a lot of points. Um, and, and so it was just, it's going to be how much is Indiana willing to put up with that as they go through. But again, if he's put in positions to succeed, which it seems like they're going to try and put him in. I, I like the pick. I think he could very well do that. It's a yeah. great dark horse pick. Yeah, that's, that's my, that's my dark horse. There's always, I love, always I, love how, I love how you're high on him now and you were, you were going at me for picking him ahead of Shaden Sharp in the mock draft. You were giving me shit for that. Oh, oh, hold on. All right. All right. But I still, I still would have picked Shaden Sharp over him. I still would have picked Shaden Sharp over him. Why? I, why? Well, cause again, what I'm, what I'm saying is that I think if you throw Shaden Sharp into that exact situation that Mathern is in, I think he does just as good. I think he does just like just looking at what he does at the high school level. I think he does just as good, if not better. And I would say my if not better is probably better, probably a lot better. Um, I mean, then then you can talk to me and say, well, look at Jaden Hardy and he's a second round pick because he went to the G League and he sucked. If he went to college, maybe he also sucks. But just purely 
off of his potential. And I'll, and I'll jump into to an expert because I'll answer my question here. Who do I think has the most like potential to be the biggest, like an actual like megastar out of this draft, if there's any? I think Shaden Sharp absolutely is that. Like the, the dude has the raw potential to be like a top 10 type player. Does he reach it? Maybe not. But that's the point of the lottery is you swing at a guy like that. For sure. For sure. He does. I, I get it. It's he's the great unknown just from last year. The real, I, like I mean, that. it's the, very, very dramatic. I like the great unknown. <laughs> his only high school stuff is what his EYBL stuff, which yeah. is still really good. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, but I think these EYBL teams, they practice once a week. They fly out all over the country. I, I think it's a great thing to do. I think it's a tremendous program and it, 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 has a billion benefits to it. Um, but for him to have like one good high school year and I credit to him showing up to become the, the number one overall recruit, I think by most measures, and then to not play and still get drafted that high. I mean, obviously other people are seeing what you're seeing and, and that potential is significant there. And there's no way, there's no way they make that pick without Dame signing off. I think. Right. Yeah, well, mm, that that's actually that's a really interesting question. I I don't know, Ronan. Do you have a take on that? Because I I think I think that this is an anti Dame pick, not an anti Dame pick, but it's not a pro Dame pick for sure. Uh, I'd look at it. I think he probably would have signed off on it, but at the same time, even if he didn't, I think they make the pick anyway because he's the type of guy that can come in now and they're, they'd be dreaming that he can, he can become their next game in the next generation. It, right. Like I, he's the next star, but he's not coming anytime soon. And I think this is why, like when you talk about Jaden Ivey versus Keegan Murray, like, yeah, Keegan Murray is going to look like pretty nice, like for the next couple of years for sure. But what do they look like five years from now? Cause that's what you draft for. That's what you're in the lottery for. Um, but I mean, what, what about you guys? So who's your Rodan? Who's your, generational guy is there anyone out of this draft that you look at you like this guy has the chance to be that like a top 10 player yeah you want to lean towards the outside over there that's probably sharp but i think i think chet is the is the interesting one like imagine like if he gets anything close to imagine he kind of comes even close to filling out like uh even like Jokic or or Giannis did if he gets even close to that he could be absolutely unbelievable in this league and like his defense, there's already a very high chance defense alone. He could be a generational defender. He can work in a bit of a, a bit a bit more of the on the offensive end. This guy can be a mega talent. I think you said it when we were doing the mock draft. He's probably got the best stand, the best start off point, and probably the highest ceiling in the draft class. Who you got? No, I think that's a great call. I think that's you said it really well. I think you're kind of dancing around it. He's like Rudy Gobert with a, a solid wings move. Like he can, he can, yeah. he has a handle and a jump shot. Plus, he's going to be, like you said, generational talent at the rim. I would lean Chet, but in, in to not be because to not be totally like all on board with Chet, I am going to go with Paolo here. Um, listening to some of what the magic had said afterwards where they had put him in such a high percentile for his scoring ability and his playmaking ability and what they have going on down there in Orlando. I think he could 
and again, you know, pieces around him, if, if that all fits in, and that's able to work, that he could really end up being that guy. Um, it seems as though they're one really, really great piece away from being a, a, a solid team in the Eastern Conference for long years to come. And I think he can set it, step in and, and fill that role as that stretch four who's able to create for others and play pretty good defense as well. Um, so that's why I'm going with Paolo. Yeah. I mean, both, both those guys, man, like, I think it's, I think it's crazy as we in, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I've been following the draft for decades. <laughs> well, I feel like I've only really been like jumping into this, like, and looking deep into it for the past few years, but it feels like compared to previous drafts, there are so many more very well-rounded players. Like they're not like, there's not a lot of like the best talents in these drafts. Not a lot of them are super one-dimensional. You look at a guy like Cade, look at a guy like Evan Mobley, a guy like Scotty Barnes, and even even Tatum now. Like Tatum is probably earlier on. When you look at his talent and what he does in such a diverse way. And same with Ben Carroll. Like he doesn't get enough credit for being such a good playmaker. Chet Holmgren has fantastic vision. I mean, I don't think he gets credit at all especially the fact that at seven feet, he's going to take it the length of the floor off a rebound. Like that's something that Thunder are going to absolutely love. Um, I, if I were to pick out all these, like obviously I think Shaden Sharp is going to be, uh, has a, a longer, much longer way to go, but that's, that, that probably falls into our conversation later on in terms of like player development, like in adding to his game, he has a, probably further to go than a guy like Van Carroll, who I think can, the stuff that he has to add, like he can get really advanced really quick because he has such a good, fundamental base of a lot of diverse skills absolutely yeah and that's probably why Paolo went higher right yeah yeah I think that was that was, that was like the surprise of the draft but I mean I mean were you guys shocked I wasn't shocked like I knew that obviously all the reports keep saying Jabari 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 but it's funny somebody mentioned this it, it almost felt like the entire league was trying to bully the magic into taking Jabari Smith because like <laughs> like it it didn't make sense from the beginning that like all of a sudden like Van Carrot was the number one guy was gonna go third. It was it was always weird. It's always weird. Yeah, they did what you've been saying. They they took their shot at the at the most at arguably the most uh the guy with the most star potential, like you've been saying. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh out of the heads head scratching picks, um, and maybe the same guy I just said will be the answer to this, but out of any of the lottery picks, who do you guys think will be the most likely to potentially be out of the league in a few years? Oh. There's always that guy. There's always that guy who's like, wow, what happened to him? Uh, Ronan, you go first on that one. That's a, that's a great question. Wow. Oh, man, I should have done a bit more prep work. Think about I, 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 have, I, have, I have a couple here. So the, wait, be out in how many years? Uh, I'll give you a few, like a few. Say four, let's say three to five years. How about that? All right. So they, yeah, they, they play out their rookie contract. Play out their rookie contract. Yeah. Okay. I, I think right. my answer would be Usman Jang, and this is absolutely no disrespect Usman. to Usman Jang. I, 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 I steal yours. Yeah. There's no disrespect because, like, I think the the potential is absolutely there. Like, he clearly can get to his spots. Um, and the fact is, like, sometimes that just doesn't come along. The shooting just doesn't get there. That's for a lot of guys. And if the shooting's not there and that's like what you expect him to be is a guy who can create his own shot and he can't shoot. Like what, what does he do in the league? Like, and especially what does he do on the thunder 
where they have plenty of guys his size now at this point where if he doesn't pan out, who's taking him? Who's taking a risk on a guy who his mantra is a playmaker that and a shot creator that can't actually hit shots that he's creating? You make it great. (laughs) I I don't I don't think there's necessarily flaws in your argument there. He um yeah, I'd say he's he might be. Uh the other guy I have is uh Sochan from Baylor. Really? What? And it makes sense. It doesn't make sense because I trust the Spurs with everything they do. Like I love the Spurs like your grandfather loves their first like GE or like a great company. But free throws, right? Like I, I'm loyal to them, like you, people are to car companies. He <laughs> he can't make free throws. I think he's a little bit of a head case. Uh, just watching him, just watching some it's of the colored games. hair. That's all I need to know. Well, and, and just in some of those tournament games, it's like, dude, are are you constantly just like looking to get in trouble, like or, or to get started with other guys? And I don't know if that's a sustainable over an 82 game season. Um, Draymond does fine. But I, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, he has the stamina for it. We'll see if so. I mean, again, he has all the tools. He has the raw ability. Is he ever going to be able to break 70% from the line? I don't know. But if there's a team that can get him there, it would be the Spurs. I'm just worried. Pops on his way out. I don't know. I, I think on a, on a team that has, in the past few years, been as bad defensively as the Spurs have been, at least for that team, and so many teams in the league, like, I think I think Sohan's defense will be elite from year one. Like I think he legitimately can switch one through five, and I think that mean streak, like that intensity to him, like is that mentality that you need at his size to do that. Like I think even even if this like potent like I think a lot of people hype up the playmaking, and we'll see how that actually translates in the NBA. But like even if nothing else pans out. I think he'll still just be a crazy defender, crazy rebounder. And at worst, maybe he's like a hyper-athletic, like Tristan Thompson. That that guy played that's plenty in this league, plenty in this league. And that's a, I think that's a bad comp because I think Sohan's going to be way better, way, way better than him. But like, say like at worst, I think he's like a really athletic Tristan Thompson who can play more on the perimeter defensively. Yeah, that guy, that guy, that guy gets minutes anywhere. I think his style. I think it will be that sort of way where in the first couple of years it's almost endearing and you really like it, but then when it gets, it'll probably be a bit of trouble in his early years, and then when you get to year three or four, can he sustain it without without making so much errors, like getting into foul trouble, getting getting thrown out of games and stuff like that? It's when you're able to grow out of it just a little bit, not take it away because it's an important part of his game, but grown out of it so you're not almost hurting your team in important situations yeah or is he but, uh, marcus smart that's uh that is that's such a polarizing is. that is such a polarizing take some people would be would love and hate that <laughs> a lot of people would love a lot of people would hate it that might that's be a, a compliment to a lot of people and an insult to a lot of others for him it's just a, a big marcus smart you know not the best skill but tough as hell can rebound can defend Ronan, who's who's your who's your guy? Did you, you thought of one yet? Did I steal uh, yours? I see you stole mine, but I, I'll go to a guy that you you had questions about when we were doing the mock in uh, Oche Oche Ogbaji. We had I some, thought about that. Yeah, we had some question marks about him, and I think if he can come into the league and showcase his best talents and get into a system, 
I think he'll be fine and I think he can be a really good player, a really good role player on the team. But with his age, I think it's going to be tough. If he struggles his first few years, there's a good chance that he might not get extended, obviously, if he stays with the Cavs, extended by the Cavs or picked up by another team. Yeah, that he's, I think, I think he's an interesting one. And I think about it from the, from the lens of if you're a wing defender, if, if you're, if you're a D and no three as a, as a, as a wing defender, because I think his percentage is a little funky. Like uh, I forget what his exact percentage was, but like his splits for the first half of the year and the second half of the year are just night and day. Like he spent half the season being like a, a 30% three point shooter in college. And like he pumped it up at the end and you see that, that trend over the few years. So maybe he's good, but yeah, he's one. I, I, I want to throw Johnny Davis out there too, because Johnny Davis is an interesting one for me that I was really fascinated by him, fascinated by his ability to create his own shot, but in the same lens of uh, Usman Jiang, there's so many guys in college that like, I feel like they, they flash the ability to get to their spots. And that's something that a lot of, you know, I, I feel like a lot of NBA teams will look at and be like, okay, we can get this guy to refine his game, but inefficient guys in college scare me. They, they scare me. Like, especially a guy who's going to be on high volume where you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that in the NBA, especially as a rookie, those kind of guys, like when you're, when your offense is very hypothetical from an efficiency standpoint, it's, it's a little sus. As kids might say. Quite sus. Ronnie, you got, you got a, where do you want to get to next? This is fine. We got a few more. Let's, let's go. What do we got here? What's our next, uh, what's another good one do we have here uh all right this is probably a good one for 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 coach for coach mike which which of the lower tier guys that could kind of turn turn their kind of uh almost career path around if they're able to develop their shot their defense anything like that it's like if if only he could develop this skill we could change here is there any particular player in the draft you see if they can add something add a single shot defense something like that to their game where they could really become a perennial star in the league uh, so so most likely to improve based off one single like one player. skill yeah 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 i think it would probably be ty ty washington oh um, yeah that's um, a good one not i mean didn't have like the best year right i don't have all of his particulars in front of me yeah he shot terribly Right. And so working on that, obviously, I mean, that's something I think, I mean, no NBA team has ever said, well, we think he's going to become a worse shooter, right? Like they all think they're going to become better shooters. And once they get them in their system. Uh, But other than that, I mean, he was a pretty solid player. um, I I thought throughout. So if he could, if he's able to work on that, because his playmaking is off the charts, that's pretty good. Yeah. being with the Timberwolves, he's going to have some freedom to be able to to just play and not necessarily worry about just going in and only playing defense. Um, you know, he's going to have some good defensive guards and, and bigs around him. So I, I think he, he's got a chance to be a bit of a surprise, a bit of a, a, a late first round steal. Yeah, I dude, I, I love I love that name that you dropped there. And. I wonder how much teams like value that, like the the IQ part of it. Because I think the playmaking is such a big part of um, why he was still in the first round. And I think they actually fell. For him to go to the the Rockets, who really they need some heady playmakers, that's awesome. But like, I guess maybe do do teams maybe? Oh yeah, I'm look, sorry. Traded. Yep, yep. 
Yeah. Do, do you think like, do teams maybe look at IQ as a kind of like the shooting thing? Like, okay, we like his raw talent. We can teach him to be a smart player, but I actually feel like a lot of, a lot of guys just never developed that. That just, just seems to be very innate, like the levels of IQ, the levels, especially on the playmaking end. It, it feels like teams kind of ignore that and they think that they can just develop that in their players a bit. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're drafting a guard, I think that has to be one of the, even if it, you know, depending on your system, if you have a point forward per se, um, that, that has to be something that you can think about and, and, and drafting a guy who is able to think through and see the game. I mean, it has that high IQ um, just real quick with him. I mean, a good amount of steals and uh, points per game and he played a ton of minutes. So I think, yeah, and his three three was okay at 35%. You would have to think that would improve, or I'm sorry, maybe stay stagnant at the NBA level um, with that deeper line. But um, I think yeah. smaller guys like him, they, they just work. I think the worry is, you know, if he's going to be like a traditional pick and roll point guard and he can't shoot off the dribble, like that's, that's just not a recipe for success for pick and roll ball handlers. And if he can't do much on the defensive end and he's not even a good spot up shooter from three, I think that's probably why he fell so far, mm-hmm. but like teams aren't valuing the, the idea of him as a playmaker purely, mm-hmm. but no, I, I absolutely think like, like if he just is what he's just hitting his shots. Cause I think he had an ankle injury in the middle of the season and that's, that's where his numbers really started to crater. Mm-hmm. But if that shooting comes around, I mean, the, the Hornets, uh, not the Hornets, the Rockets just got themselves. I don't know, a star? Does he, does he feel like yeah, maybe, maybe he's a star? I think he's a nice guy to pair in the backcourt. So, I, yeah, I think I think they have a good young backcourt there. Yeah, Ronnie, who's, who's, your, who's your guy? Ooh, man. Just missing that one thing. I want to uh, – I don't even know where – which way to go to, I guess, out of the whole list of guys that I had that were just, it's defense is the big thing. I think Jalen Williams is one. Obviously, his stock really went on the rise with, uh, in the in the combine. But he's he obviously hasn't been tested at a very high level. And I think defense has been a problem for him. But you think he's got the ability to score. If he adds defense to that, he's going to OKC. He's going to have time to grow. If he can grow on the defensive end, he could be a legit, a legit guard in this league. Dude, I feel really strongly about that. I I feel like he was a good, like from from what I I've seen, like he he's a, he's a little he's a little bit smaller. His frame's a little bit smaller. I mean, now we're gonna have all these frame talks with the uh, the Thunder now, but like his length, he's what he's seven two, seven two wingspan, at six six. Six 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 seven. Like I, I don't know. I, I I definitely think that's that's definitely something whole translate at the NBA level. Now, what positions he guards? Maybe that's a little different. Foot speed wise, maybe he's not getting with ones and twos. Everyone, but I, I think on the wing, it'll be great. It'll, it'll be fine there. But no, I I love I love me some Jalen Williams. Dude, I, I think he definitely, rightfully so, jumped up in the draft because he was like he was in like the late twenties, just like a couple months ago, and he's one of those guys that jumped all the way up. Um, funny enough, my, my guy was Sohan. I, I thought, dude, Sohan, you add a jump shot to that, that dude is that like, I, maybe this is nuts and like player comparisons are so bad. I know, but you just can't help but do it. But the idea of him is like Ben Simmons and like Ben Simmons is a guy that's just like, why can't you just figure out how to shoot 
the damn basketball. If Sohan develops a jump shot, it feels like a diet Ben Simmons with a jump shot. That seems like a perennial all-star kind of guy to me. Ben Simmons light. <laughs> I don't know if he has the playmaking of Simmons, but he's certainly, I mean, like the frame. Hence like the diet. Hence the diet. I think he's got solid playmaking, but not that so like Ben Simmons is a true, like he's, he's, a, yeah, a right. he's not initiating your offense like Simmons yeah. is. But again, like yeah. Simmons, I mean, yeah, I like that. You know, you made the point earlier, he can guard one through five and Simmons first team all defense, um, you know, a couple of years there. So that's good. Can I say one other guy? guy no, absolutely. Guy. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that if I don't say, I'll, I'll regret not saying at least. Um, Walker Kessler. <laughs> He's, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that name. Let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. What's your Walker Kessler take? I like I it. Cool. And then it was, it didn't pan out. It didn't seem to pan out or work out at all at North Carolina. Um, and then at Auburn, just this this three and D guy, right? Like he's a guy who defensively seems to be uh, there or just about there at an NBA level, um, and, and can shoot. Now, what else can he do? Not too much, but I, in a league that's really starting to value that, um, I, I think he'll be pretty good. I, I think I, that's a hot take. The three point shooting is a hot take. That's a hot take because in high school, like high school, what he take? I want to say he took like a. Took around like 100 threes or something. He shot pretty solid. He shot around like 40% in high school. And in college, like when he went to Auburn, like they didn't – like he didn't take a lot of shots. But like his, his shot in high school was, was good. His shot in I high mean, school. I thought his shot looks – I mean, just watching him. It looks time. good. It does. Like what did he le- – he led – he led the uh, – he was a – I forget the – what was the award he got? He was the best defender in, in college. He had the highest block rate, I think, since God knows who. He had the highest block rate in like a decade, and, and so he's just on the Auburn team. Just, just it was almost like they, were, especially the guards. It was I'm gonna get mine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's been such a common. Like, where, I don't know where those guys are at now, but I don't know a ton about college basketball, and that has to be one of the most common themes when talking about like anything Auburn when it comes to Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler, like their guard sucks. So that's a, such an indictment on whoever they are. Um, but I, I think that's, it's a good segue. Ronan's our point guard here. Are we? Yeah. I think we talked a lot of draft. Now it's time to really get in, into the, into the coaching and develop player development uh, side of things, which is obviously one of the big, the big reasons we got you on Mike, I think. A big the main question is like what is what are the main things it takes for players to be able to take their game from whether it be high school or college or the European leagues and come in and actually be a player in this NBA? It's the it's the the like I said earlier that small like tiny little detail. Um, talking to a couple of different trainers um, and some other guys that I know the biggest thing that separates like, you know, the, the best from everybody else is just how much they care about getting perfecting things like every little thing, whether it's, you know, their timing between the ball and the foot bouncing at the same time, um, how they're able to manipulate the ball and the different moves that they're able to do with it, where their spots are and how they're going to get there on the court. Like those things are truly what separates you know, the, the best from everybody else. And so I think if you're, you know, if you're a high school kid looking to play college or a college kid looking to move on to some type of professional level, it's what 
you know, what small things, what, what small, tiny little things do I need to improve on today and tomorrow, this week, this month, this off season to come out way better prepared. It's not, you can't throw like everything out there, right? Like when we were talking about trying to guys who are trying to improve, you know, every day, it was one thing for every guy. I, all those guys, you know, they're going to get flooded with things that the, their different teams are going to try and get them to do. If they're able to focus on one thing in particular, that's those guys are going to be the ones who are the most successful um, and, and perfecting that. And then the next year it, or once it's perfected, then it's going on to the next thing. And then once that's perfected, it's, it's attaching those and going on to another thing. That, that's what I would think it would be. Yeah. It seems like you mentioned the team aspect to it. It seems like the, the new wave compared to the past is that best players have their own trainers. And it seems like, like um, you, you look at guys like Zach Levine, for instance, and I think that that's such a, such a good example of like little things. And you notice year to year, just like the addition of small skills in terms of his shot making. And now that eventually kind of translates into him being a, I mean, I, I think top 10, top 15 offensive player in this league. Um, I think how long, how long does that take to, to materialize? Cause it, it feels like, feels like the little things eventually add up and then those guys like they jump up and it feels like almost like year three feels like year three is like where that comes together so i think the big thing for nba guys right like you'll see it so watch the progression of chet holmgren's body not this year Mm -hmm. right like he's just getting into the thunder system they're gonna try and put him through a bunch of stuff and the next thing you know like the season started and he's going but the next off season, just how big that dude's going to get or his, how his body's able to change. Like, I think the big transition is typically in year two for these guys where they're, you know, they, they're able to be in their team system. Um, and then they're able to incorporate a lot of the things that their team wants them to work on, especially if they have that consistency with the coaching aspect of it. Um, and they're hearing the same things from this year one to year two. And going forward from there, I think that's huge for it. Um, it, it, Like when you talk about a guy like Zach Levine, the other part, I mean, you you almost said it verbatim. One of the things that he, I know he really tries to work on what his trainer really has him work on is this thing called like micro skills. Mm -hmm. And so like you said, small skills, these micro skills, like the (laughs) microscopic ones like that are right under there. Uh, That's super important. And he wants to perfect those all the time. Um, just tiny little things here and there and there. And then again, like you said, once you master them and they build up, it's people don't realize like just a simple, you know, him being able to do an in and out and get by a defender on the three point line, take a couple of dribbles and get to the hole and dunk, like how much he's worked to just be able to perfect that one move that he might use this game. And then he may not use it again, three games from now, but he's put in, he did that maybe four off seasons ago. And somebody else is, you know, and, and then he's adding other things to it as he goes through. Yeah. To kind of, kind of uh, contrast that with, you know, the draft that we're talking about, like it's insane when you look at guys like, this is like Jalen green and he comes into the league and he's got to move like that in his, uh, his back. He's got, he's got to move like that where you see it in his rookie year. And it's insane. These guys like, come in already with like, that crazy talent level. And I don't know if that speaks to the amount of like detail that they get in the G league or detail that a lot of these guys are putting into it. Um, 
Like how much, how much do you think like the work ethic? Cause everyone preaches work ethic, work ethic, work ethic. And every, nobody, it's rare that you see guys that they're like looked at as like bad workers, but how many guys are actually like those like gym rats? No, like so everyone much says it it. Is. I mean, you look at those guys in the NBA, I bet, I bet like 95% of them are totally, you know, what we would think of as like insane gym rats. Right. And then the other 5% we would consider just to be like normal gym rats. Right. And then, you know, everybody kind of separates themselves between like, I'm in the gym 40 hours a week. I'm in the gym like 30 hours a week, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, it, it's again, I, like, I think it's different for everybody. They all want to be good. I think the, it's really who you're able to surround yourself with. Yeah. Uh, and are you able to get with the right coaching for so many of these guys? Like, mm. I mean, they're just thinking about Massachusetts. There's a ton of kids who train at a local facility nearby that I know of that, um, their trainer's really good and he's fantastic at getting them, you know, as good as he can for their leagues and, and what they play in. And then they'll go, or some other guys will go to somewhere else and it's, you know, it can be a great gym. It can be an ugly looking gym, but if the guy doesn't know what he's talking about, is he really helping you? You can put somebody through all these things and they can say it. I think that's the biggest part is, is being able to surround yourself with the right people who are actually going to help you. Everybody's going to want to help you succeed but are they actually able to do it? That's the, mm. that's the tough one for those guys. So what, where, who's Ben Simmons running himself with? <laughs> no one. Hakeem <Probably> <laughs> Olajuwon's trainer. That's it. That's the, that's, that's like kind of the question mark, man. It's like, there, there are guys like that out there where it's like, they've been in the league this long. If you can just do one thing, like one, one thing, just, can you, can you shoot from the corner? Can you just do one thing? And, uh, I don't know. Like I, I just assume with guys with talent like that, it's like, do they just not have the training or do they not have the willpower? Are they just not, they're not in it. Like they just see themselves. I'm this player. I'm good at this. Let me do this. I'm not going to do anything outside of that. Like, yeah, no, feels that's that way. yeah, that's a big part of it too. Right. Like, you know, there's, there's really three big components to it. It's, it's the team and their plan, right. The trainer and their plan and then the player and what he wants. And so like for, to really make that growth, all three of those have to be in really good communication. They have to almost set a good plan for that. Uh, but like you said, there's so many guys who will just say, no, I just want to do this. And they'll get with a trainer who's just going to help them do that. Yeah. Or, um, you know, they'll just do it on their own. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Ben clearly is not keeping in touch with all three, I would think. <laughs> I'm probably not talking to anyone now. Yeah, he's got all his mental health problems. Not to make fun of that, but some of it, some of it on Ben Simmons' side certainly seems a bit exaggerated. It's just that the Philly fans were pissed off at him because he couldn't shoot a basketball. It's, it's not too, uh, you can't get too upset when you're a basketball player there. Uh, if people are getting mad at you for not being able to make a shot. Uh, what, Mike, what would you say? So you, you would be leaning towards coaching side when you think of guys who like, like we're saying with Simmons, obvious flaws in their game we still have yet to see it get corrected or even attempted to be corrected that would be more on the player side of it or the coaching side well i think it's certain the, the coach can only do so much to put the players in the correct position yeah right? like they're like teams not you know it, it was immediately off the bat right that ben simmons was going to be you know, if you were guarding him, you were staying inside the paint and you weren't necessarily, you weren't following him out to the three-point line. You know, if you got ahead of steam, we would build a little bit of a wall like Giannis. After a certain point, that comes down to the player being able to take what, you know, what the defense gives them and being able to alter and adjust it. So I think 
I don't. I mean, I think Philly had been putting him and like other guys into good positions, and I, you know, they every team tries to put their guys in the best positions as possible uh, to succeed, whether or not they're actually able to do it. Yeah, I think that's up to the player, but that's coming yeah. from that's coming from a coach. So <laughs> that's that's a that's a on brand coach answer for sure. Um, I think. Well, let me give an example, and I think you'll you'll enjoy talking about this because you are a Celtics fan. But Jason Tatum, for example, I, I think what what it felt like in the finals is that Udoka put him in a position to ascend to a level that I feel like he couldn't ascend to in terms of being a playmaker and doing it efficiently and, and really dr- being the driver of the Celtics offense like that hit new levels in the playoffs, especially in the finals. And from a training and coaching perspective, like as, as a fan watching it, I got, I walked away from that feeling like I think he hit a limit. I don't know how much better he can get than what he did as a guy like at his size, at his skill, putting the ball in his hands and say, okay, go create offense for us. Five out, go create offense for us. Like when you watch that, do you, did you walk, did you walk away from that feeling like, okay, if he added a few things, if he worked on this here and there to his game, then they can run it back next year, same team. And Tatum will come back better at these things and they can succeed that way. So again, I do subscribe to the Greg Popovich, like coaching, uh, world of wisdom i think honestly he was burnt out i mean you look at the yeah. minutes throughout the year um and he was a warrior dude and didn't miss like any games through very few games throughout the entire season i i think a lot of it was just the fatigue of playing that long of a schedule and that hard of a, a season and the defense in the playoffs is just completely different i mean you yeah. guys watched it enough right like they're taking away your top three things that you particularly like to to be able to do so it was um i don't know i i i'm not saying i necessarily like completely disagree with you i think that he could i think there are still no, feel free disagree the shit out of me like <laughs> I, I think there's highs that he could get um but but I, I I think it was good exposure to the entirety of the celtics as to mm-hmm. just what it's going to take to be able to be successful at that level um and you know whether it's a combination of uh adding a couple of pieces here or there adding some other playmakers or guys who are able to to be shot creators um and as well as like the player and the load management side of it i think both of that's gonna have to go into there yeah so really I think that, yeah so i think that that's that's a huge part of this context of and i think the celtics are just an example but there's so many teams out there where it's, it's this similar question is you know the Celtics may want to trade Marcus Smart if they think we need a guy that we can put the ball in his hands and take the pre- – we really need to take pressure off Tatum. Like maybe Tatum can't handle that amount of playmaking in that level of situation. And that comes down to whether they think, okay, can he get better this offseason at that in particular? And I guess for for him like what is there anything in particular that like convinces like that convinces you strongly that he'll get better at that well, i think it's game one like, look at the game one against um golden state in which i mean what, how many assists was it 13 yeah Upward, upwards of 10 right i think he certainly has that ability to do so um 
you know, some of it's on him, some of it's on his teammates being, being able to, to make those shots as well. But um, yeah, I'd certainly feel like he could. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder uh, that, that was, that was interesting for me. And I, I compared it. I don't know why I keep conflating these two players. Like I, I keep conflating uh, Luka Doncic and Tatum in terms of, you know, these are two lead wings on the individual teams. Good for different reasons, but it was interesting to see Tatum evolve now. And I think we didn't look at him like that as a rookie. And I, I don't think anyone thought that Tatum at this stage of his career would be initiating this much offense in a finals. So I, I wonder, like, is that a, is that a ceiling? It, does Luka Doncic have that thing, that it, that split second decision-making that maybe you can't train? That's, that's not something you can train. Well, I think, yeah, um, that's the, the thing about Luka, right? His entire career, he's been a playmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you make that, you make that comment then. Is there anything that, is there anything particular that helps players become better decision makers as a coach? Or is it just a question of a, a natural knack and just a experience and maturity? Both. Both. Yeah. <laughs> to answer the question <laughs> poorly. Um, so with the coaching part of it, you have to put them in like small sided games and aspects that they're going to see. So um, for Luca, it would be a lot of like high pick and roll uh, situations in which he's playing two on two. And then there's like a help defender that comes from somewhere else. Um, you know, any scenario that they'll see within the season and just doing that over and over and over. And so exposing them to, different ways that teams are going to try and play it, whether it's the drop coverage or the uh, coverage that Christian, you pointed out to me in the, the golden state series where they were really like a, a bit of a delayed blitz yeah. um, coming off. So being, you know, I, I hadn't seen something like that until you pointed it out. It was great that now this year, like I'm sure he's going to work on that a ton being put in that situation in that scenario to be able to create. And then also on him, you know, working on the different skills and aspects needed to be successful in that position. So it's really a relationship of both and being able to get the most out of each other. You know, the players have to have the skill to do it, right? The coaches need to emphasize that and then also put them in scenarios in practices and, and other situations where they see it and they know how to react to it. I mean, and those yeah. guys are also skilled, right? You, you show it to them once they're going to, you know, it, you know, those guys at that elite level, they're going to be able to eventually start to figure it out. Um, but it's how long does it, does that take? Yeah. It, it's, it's fascinating that for a guy like Luca, where the, it feels like the innateness of, of a playmaker is, is shown in those moments where maybe Tatum, guys like Tatum, great, great playmakers, but not that next level, like generational playmakers, like you can train them, you can train them to like see those situations and coaching will get them there. But it feels like guys like Luka, guys like LeBron, guys like Jokic, you show them a defense once, maybe they've never seen it before, you fool them. Twice, maybe it takes them a second. But it's like you, over the course of a game, it feels like guys like that, like they, their floor mapping and their ability to like just figure it out. Like they don't, they can do that in the course of a game. They can do that in the course of a series. Whereas like that, that training, like you mentioned, maybe that's something where guys like Tatum, maybe Tatum will figure it out. Maybe you're convincing me. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's such a big question because it, you're seeing all these trade rumors uh, about smart being traded. Well, that's every uh, season, right? Yeah. Every off season then around the trade deadline, it's a Marcus smart trade rumor season. So. Uh, Did you do I, it? I, Murray, I, I, would you do it? You trade him for DeJounte? 
I don't know. I'd have to see what else that goes into it. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah, that is, it's on both the player and the coach being able to, to see it and, and to go from there. I also think like there, there are certain guys like Chris Paul's another one, right? They're just going to yeah. figure it out. Right. They've played so much hoop in their life and, they, and they've seen so many things. Eventually they're going to be able to figure it out, but it, it might take them a while to do so. Those yeah. are, I think those are the three guys really that, that have that crazy ability to throughout the course of a game, finally figure out a defense and what they want to do to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in particular, I feel like the, the Warriors, the way that they like, it was hard to, you, you saw that, like you mentioned the, the delay blitz recover scheme that they had, but it felt like their help defense too. Like it was just coming from like so many, so many different places. I, I want to get too deep into, we're not here to talk about re- rehash the finals, but um, yeah, I, I think maybe with all the different looks and diverse looks that they, they gave Tatum, maybe that's all the game tape he needs to study over the course of the off season to figure it out. Maybe next year we'll, we'll bring you on to celebrate another Celtics finals. But yeah, do you have any guys, uh, any favorite guys that you think maybe they're poised for a breakout season? They get in the gym, figure a few things out, and they go from being that young player to star player. I do, I do. I think Rowan's gonna like this one. Okay. I think RJ Barrett's gonna have a great year. Okay. I think what? RJ's gonna take that. All right. So if you and so prepping for this, I knew. I, I mean, I had been prepared to say I think RJ's gonna have a great year regardless. I think he made a really good jump um this last year i think with his shooting i think that's going to continue to improve but um i i just think he's going to they're going to be putting the ball in his hands a lot i think i mean we'll see how the situation ends up in new york i think um you know in terms of coaching and front office wise they uh they may need some turnover but he's going to i think i think he's gonna have a great year this year defensively he's got it i think his ball handling is going to get way better this year I think his ability to still be able to create for others is going to continue to improve. Yeah, that's a guy I like a lot. Oh, if they have any sense, they'll make him the guy this year and put yes. Randall in a bit more of a backseat. Yeah, that's a tough situation with Randall and New York fans. Oh, man, he had, a, he had his great year, and then last year it was kind of like, right, can you match it or can you improve on it? And he couldn't do it. Let, let Give RJ a shot. Even for even if it's for the first ten games, see how he gets on doing it as the lead, as the lead guy. They want him to be the guy. You gotta give you gotta give him the opportunity to do it. Yeah, I think what I was impressed with with RJ in particular um, in the second half of the season was just getting to the rim, like like that. That's as as a slasher, just like he. I felt I felt like, and I don't know that maybe this is coaching, maybe this system wise, like having him at the wing as a shooter it just felt so awkward. It didn't feel right. Like he, you know, there are times where he, he started to get hot and like he's, his stroke looks so much better than when he came into the league, but like, that's just not what I feel like his elite talent is like for him to finally get to the rim and start to feel comfortable doing it more. I think he was averaging like over, over nine, nine drives to the rim a game, which was, I think like top five percentile in the league in the second half of the year. And that, like, if, if he can channel that, for the course of a season and start to do it efficiently. Like that's, I, I'd like that pick. I, I think he's a guy that definitely should be, he should be up there as a, as one of those next guys up as an all-star. For sure. For sure. I think he's the next all-star out of New York. I thought you might have another name. I thought you might have another name, a, a sophomore. <laughs> You're a big Franz. You, you put me on to Franz Wagner. Oh, Franz. Yeah. I was, 
I was down. I was down for that after after you told me about it. I've been paying attention and like him and Bancaro in particular, dude. That's gonna be a really really fun fun. That's uh, fun okay. Play. So for for some perspective, we were talking about rookie of the year. And this was <laughs> was this in December or January? It it was. I don't. It wasn't even like he hadn't even hit the map yet. Like obviously people were watching, but like as as like one of the best rookies in the class. Like, I don't think that was really being talked about much. I think time. he just had a really, really hot start and not too many people were, were picking up on it. I thought I was. It's in Orlando. Can't blame people. Right. Right. They were, a league, <laughs> they were a league pass team just because it's like, Oh, they're young. They're fun to watch. We'll see what we get out of them. Uh, ended up starting what he started every single game for them. He shot the ball. Well, I think that'll continue to improve. Yeah. I, I love Franz. I think he'll continue to improve. Man, maybe I want to switch my pick. <laughs> in, order for, in order for Franz to have the breakout year, though, what do you think was important mm. for him to have been working on coming coming into his second year? He's gonna be become a little bit of a bit better creator too. Um, you know, it was close to three assists a game with all those guys around that have the ability to make shots and, and to be able to, um, and they have great guys who can cut off the ball too like Cole Anthony um even Mo Bamba that if he's able to drive and not necessarily always be able to finish but create for others too I think that's going to be huge for him um to do that so I think I think the more he's able to create obviously the lane's going to open up for him too he's going to be able to make more shots or get better looks at the rim um yeah that, that would be it for him I think I got a, I got a weird name that I'm really excited about Zaire Williams that's a good name. I mean, there's there's a lot of room for growth there, right? What was his? If you look at his stats across the season, they're they're not the uh, not the best in the world. But in his moments in the playoffs, and when you see him near the end of the year, like he confidently shoots the ball, and he, he has a good looking shot. He has like an unblockable shot. What is he? He's like six nine. He's near near seven foot wingspan and high release. And his ability, like the way he runs in transition, the way he plays off of jaw, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I, I love, I love me um, some Desmond Bain. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, by the end of next year or the year after that, like Zaire Williams is second best player on this team. I'm yeah. not, a, I'm not a huge J- Jaron Jackson Jr. guy in terms of like offense. Like I think defensively is great, but I think offensively wise, like Zaire Williams, like with his, with his length and his shooting, and his. I mean, he's 19. He was the youngest. He, he played with LeBron's son. That's how young he is. He played with LeBron's son. Played with Bronny Jr. A lot of these guys, we're just going to start seeing more and more of those. Um, I think that's a, that's a real good pick, yeah. How about you, Ronan? Do you have anybody? Well, I got one very obvious one, uh, but I'll go for my outsider first. I got Ty- Ty- Tyrese Halliburton. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to see him. With a full year in Indiana, I liked him when the when the Kings drafted him. I was surprised when they traded him away. I get like why they needed to do it, but I think this is a really talented player, very good playmaker, and I'm sure he's been working on a shot. And if he improves his scoring and matches, he can get get even similar sort of Darius Garland sort of level in terms of scoring and assisting. I think that'll be huge for this Indiana team, and I think he could even go beyond that. I was, I was, he's like one of the, I, in terms of like guys who end up being good 
Very good. I feel like I haven't been as wrong on a prospect in a while as I was in Halliburton. I, I didn't feel like he was going to translate at all in terms of shooting. Like the, the way that his shooting is translated is just shocking to me. Like you're Mike, as a coach, like you look at his shot and you're like, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not the prettiest thing in the world by any, any means, but he was seeing, I just remember him being um, a really like safe pick when he came out. Well, like as a plate, like, I mean, as like a, like for a lottery guy, like I felt like, okay, he'll be, he'll be great in transition. Like he, he definitely runs. He'll definitely be seamless in a team concept. Like he's an unselfish player. He's a good passer. He's got good IQ, like solid length for, for like a guard to switch on the wings. Like, great. That, that's all nice. But like the shooting, I, I didn't see the shooting coming into play. I didn't see him being a, a finisher, but like his proverbial back, like I'm going to get to his floaters and these funky finishes around the rim and to shoot and to shoot on the move. Like when I see him shoot on the move, like I want to puke and I'm like, wait, that's then he splashes it. I mean, it's it's uh it's surprising, but I, I definitely think he's got room for both him and Mathurin, man. That maybe, maybe the Pacers are finally be interesting again with those two guys. Be exciting, yeah. Um, obviously we, we got to say Pat Williams, right? Pat Williams is going to be an All Star next year. No, no one cares about Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Dale and Terry, Dale and Terry, and Pat Williams—that's the future. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say: one of the guy, my obvious pick is as and Anthony Edwards. I want to see. Oh, of course, I'm ready to see him break out and be legit night in, night out, uh, a star in this league. I mean, there all the comparisons he's had to the to the some of the greatest players of all time. We see the. The stats have been going around the last few weeks, like how he's like top five in terms of like scoring before he's 21 or something like that. He's got the little things, but his inconsistency is is a big hole in his game. And he if I'm ready for it, year three, it's time to be time to become more of the more of the man. But how do you teach a guy like that to take better shots? To be like a guy with supreme confidence, like his his calling card is being that con- like I think he has Michael Jordan confidence, like honestly, and I don't say that as a as a negative thing. I say that's like legit. Like I think that will allow him to get better. But how do you tell Anthony Edwards like, hey, that shot there, like maybe you shouldn't take that. Like, I mean, it's gonna come down to <laughs> you got it, honestly with some of these guys it with uh, so many of them. Um, I was talking to an NBA trainer and I asked him this question because like one of my guys was in a big slump and I was like, how would you approach this? And he made a great connection to Jason Tatum, who was like over 20 at one time. And he's like, I would just go up to Jay and say, yo, I bet I can beat you in like a shooting competition and try and, and because he knows that that's, he's a super competitive guy. And Jason Tatum would just be like, the fuck you can like no (laughs) and then eventually like maybe get his confidence back right and so i think it just you have to be able to have and cultivate like the relationship with the player before you're able to especially a number one pick to take shots away from them um because you're the number one pick you're you're thinking i'm here to score i'm here to shoot i can shoot i should be and again anthony edwards like you said i don't think he's lacking confidence at all in order to get the best shot available, they're going to have to get someone in there who's able to reach him. It's hard, right? But again, like I said, it all comes down to the relationship aspect of it. Yeah. seems like Finch has, has a solid handle on that. But no, dude, I'm, I'm excited for Edwards. Like once he yeah. – for him, it's I feel like it's just the 
you know, that game slowing down to everything at that next level, like not getting sped up when he's getting uncomfortable in those kind of moments. But I, I think he's a, that's just the most obvious answer for sure. Like he's, he's going to get there. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think we, uh, we've covered a lot here. I think Ronan's always shaking his head at me because I'm always, I always go way over time. Like we, we gotta, gotta cut it eventually. But um, I, I'm sure we'll we'll definitely be back talk about some X's and O's because as we talked about in the beginning, you know, we we need some education. NBA Twitter needs education. We need education. We need guys like you to to help us see the floor and see uh, see the game a little bit better. But Mike, appreciate all your time. You got any any things you want to talk about though before we hop off the floor? Is absolutely yours. All yours. No, no, just thank you guys for having me on. I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Ronan, thank you for being point guard as always. Let me go crazy. Let me go off. We did a lot of superlatives here. Everybody, thank you for hanging out with us for another hour here. Hope you have a great rest of your week. We'll be back to talk some more off-season stuff very soon. And, uh, Mike, hopefully we have you back on again. Yeah, love it. Thanks, guys. Peace. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.